unto us understanding and illumination. Spirit of the living God, fill every heart, fill every mind. Help us to turn around. Help us to see something differently. Transform our hearts. Lead us in the right direction. Refresh our spirit. Let everyone leave this place tonight energized for fulfillment of purpose. In the precious name of Jesus. Come on, somebody appreciate Jesus a little more. Hallelujah. Please, you may have your seat. Have your seat. Have your seat. It's good to be in church tonight. I want to welcome everyone to church. And I also want to welcome everyone uh, joining this service online, um, live stream, Facebook, Periscope, whatever it is, um, wherever you may be joining us from. I uh, want to welcome you very specially and we trust that uh, tonight's teaching will be a blessing to your heart and to your life in the precious name of Jesus. Can you help me look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, how's your week been? Make sure you get an answer from them. All right. Uh, can you uh, uh, help me also look at your neighbor and let's prophesy. Let's, let's bless them. Say, every day, every day and in every way, you are getting better and better. You're getting stronger and stronger. In the precious name of Jesus. If you believe that, say, believe in amen. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20. I want to get straight into the word of God. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. We are still discussing a series of teachings on the seven commandments of foolishness. If you haven't been around a while or it's your first time at the Elevation Church, it's a season that we're teaching on the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God that the Bible says makes the face of a man to shine. And the Bible says his countenance shall be changed. When we talk about wisdom, we're talking about the ability to make uh, the right judgment call for the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life, for the fulfillment of your destiny. Uh, wisdom is the ability to make the right decisions. Wisdom is, you know, the Bible says, uh, um, if the axe is dull, then you need to apply more strength. But it said wisdom is profitable to direct. So if you, if you, if you want to cut a tree, for instance, uh, wisdom is to sharpen you know, your cutting edge. Yeah. Wisdom is to sharpen your cutting edge, to be able to engage the right strategy, to be able to take the right decision. Uh, wisdom, when it's uh, in full operation, will not only engender uh, um, effectiveness, it will also engender efficiency, efficiency, even in the place of business uh, and life generally. That's, that's what wisdom does. That's why the Bible says that um, wisdom is a principal thing, and in all our getting, we should get understanding. So I want to encourage you, if you have not been around a while, to get the messages that were preached. We are premised the teaching on uh, the book, The Seven Commandments of Foolishness, which I wrote in 2012. Uh, and, uh, you know, preaching from this book again has really blessed me myself in the last uh, uh, couple of weeks that we've started. There's, there are many things that were said, some written in the book, some that are not written. So there are many things in the book that I don't have time to share. And that's why... I encourage that you should not only read a book, get it for a friend, uh, make it a discussion point, make it, you know, tear apart one commandment of foolishness. In fact, seek to disagree with me, perhaps, that will engender some more, you know, uh, um, spirit-filled discussion and also maybe a bit of intellectual discourse. Praise God. I said, praise God. The commandment of foolishness that I'm facing today, in the short time that I have, is thou 
shall have foolish friends. Yeah. Thou shalt have foolish friends. Thou shalt have foolish friends. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. We become like those around us. And synergy is a powerful force towards growth. Two wise people will become wiser. And two silly people will become sillier. Yeah. That's just life. Yeah. Two heads are better than one if both of them are correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I need to, to, to lay the premise, uh, you know, for, for this commandment. Two heads are only better than one if both of them are very correct. To remain foolish, you must surround yourself with foolish people. Is one critical way, one surefire way to remain foolish. You have to be, you know, to be willing to surround yourself with foolish people. So, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20, the Bible says, He who works with the wise or with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I love the way the message translation of the Bible renders it. It says, Become wise by working with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Yeah. You can read it for yourself. Yeah. Become wise by working with, working with wise people. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Yeah. Many people today are victims of bad friendships, bad relationships, you know, bad association. And you know, we've talked about this many times. But Paul said, for me to say the same thing to you, over and again, he said, for me, it is not grievous, for you it is safe. So, there are some things that we need to repeat over and over and over again. Because maybe the first time you heard it, you didn't really get the import of it. But when you hear it again and again and again, you become more aware of certain other sides to it that perhaps you have not taken too seriously before now. So become wise by working with wise, with the wise, anger with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. Just looking at this, this passage of the scripture, this verse of the, of the Bible, Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it's interesting that when you just think about Friendship or friends. And what does that mean to you? Or what should that mean to you? In an attempt to just, for me, just thinking about meditating on, on friends or relationship. Because we say, uh, we, we either work with the wise, or the wise companion of fools shall be destroyed, you know, and all that. So who are the people around me? Who are my friends? And, you know, uh, um, who am I hanging out with? Who am I hanging out with? I started to think about friendship differently when I decided to compare you know uh, or to look at how Jesus for instance described who is your neighbor in the parable of the Good Samaritan you know the conclusion in the parable of Good Samaritan is that your neighbor is anybody that you can help am I saying the truth if you have ever read that parable before but ordinarily you think it's somebody that you have to know somebody that needs to live in your neighborhood live next door, you know, and all that. But Jesus said, you know what? When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, neighbor is just anyone that you can help. In, in, in the same vein, when you think about it very well, 
when I say to remain foolish, you must have foolish friends. A lot of the time, we limit it to the physical people around us. Yeah. To the physical people around us, which is correct. You have to be mindful of the physical people around you. Some other times, it's much more than that. Just taking a cue from the parable of uh, um, the Good Samaritan. Sometimes it's much more than that. Sometimes the person may not even have, you know, any very serious physical contact with you, but the way they live their life, the way they think, the way they do their stuff, is influencing you so deeply that you're not even aware of it. Yeah. You are hanging out with them emotionally. You are hanging out with them, you know, in different other ways that you are oblivious of. Yet, the influence is far-reaching, or has far-reaching effects on your life. Can you just think about it just briefly? And think about who you are hanging out with, whether physically or emotionally or otherwise. Who have you been hanging out with? Who is influencing your thought? Who is influencing how, how you talk, what you say? Who is helping you to, dis, to determine what, is, what should be most important to you in life? To determine what is most important to you in life. I think it's Proverbs uh, 4 and 23 that says, guard your heart with all diligence. So that of it, yeah, flows the issues of life. One translation, I don't know whether it's message or living Bible, it says, guard your heart, uh, you know, with all diligence because it affects everything that you do. So, the people who can influence what enters my heart sometimes are more important than the people that are very close to me. Because where I source the raw materials from my thoughts from is what actually shapes my life. What enters into a life, onto a heart, comes out in a life. That's how life is. Whatever enters into my heart is what comes out in my life. The reason why we talk about proximity, people around us so much, is that that one is almost like guaranteed a given. There's no way somebody will have a level of proximity to you and they will not invariably have influence over your heart. But I'm saying that as we discuss that, as we say that, we also need to come to terms with the fact that it's not only those people. Because especially in this day and age of social media, I need to follow me very carefully. I know what I'm saying tonight will definitely bless somebody. Yeah. Especially in this day and age of social media, the amount of time that some people spend hanging out with certain kind of people on social media, reading every post that they read, they write, is much more than people who are just hanging around you and just saying hi to you or you're having a drink together. Some, sometimes those people don't have any kind of serious influence over your heart. Yeah, as we leave this service tonight, some of you are, you know how you spend your evening. Yeah, you know how you spend your evening. From Facebook 
to Instagram, to this, to that, to Snapchat. You will read everything that this person has written today. And what you don't know is that it's garbage in, garbage out. That's how it works. So I'm not going to limit this talk, for instance, this, you know, tonight to, which is what I wrote in the book, for instance. Um, you want to know the, the people who are really influencing you and, you know, uh, you, you want to take um, an audit of your friendship. I suggested that you look at the seven closest people to you. Seven closest people to you. I said, if you are married with your children, make all of them one. But if you want to stretch it, make your wife one. Make the children, not to sign in their number, make them one. Then look for five other people that are the closest to you who speak into your heart. Maybe what I'm adding to it, with the benefit of hindsight now, is that if you look away from social media as you do this, you may not have done a good job. Because if you want to really take a audit, an audit of the people that are influencing your life and are close to you, the people that you are hanging out with, according to this scripture that we read in, uh, you know, Proverbs 13 and 20 in message translation, if you want to be aware of the people you are hanging out with, because before you can change something, you first of all have to be aware of it. If you really want to be aware of it, and you don't want your life to go in the direction of the people or fall into pieces like the scripture says here, you need to, first of all, audit your friendship, which is what I suggest here. Audit your friendship. And be deliberate about picking out certain people that are not supposed to be there. Because the way life works, the direction to which their life is going is the direction that your life will go. There's no, no two ways about it. Yeah. So what I'm saying tonight is let's look beyond the physical. Our world today has gone beyond influence only from the physical people that we hang out with. Who else are you hanging out with? Yeah. As I'm talking now, the Holy Spirit is dropping in your heart. Yeah. I heard someone, someone was speak, speaking, was it earlier today or yesterday, who said, when I really wanted to start dealing with the matter of influence over my life, she said, I took one year off, off TV, one year, personal decision. But she said, I realized that the things that I had, you know, um, a flair for watching on TV are the things that are really destroying me. And she was talking mainly around the issue of handling a sexual urge as a single lady. Yeah. She said, that, that, that said, I just realized that I cannot cope with music videos. Because when I watch, it does something to me. And I behave stupidly, foolishly. Yeah. I realized that I cannot cope with... So she mentioned a few, and like, look, I just took a decision. Maybe if I take one year off, I'll be able to put my head straight so that maybe I'll gain more strength and in the future, if I watch, maybe the effect will not be as far-reaching as it is right now. Yeah. You know there are some people that you need to stop following on social media. Because the way they are leading your thought life, before you know it, you'll be slapping your husband. 
<laughs> and for some other persons, maybe if you're a guy, before you know it, you pack out of your house because of some of the things you are, you are hearing, hearing and seeing. Yeah, you just leave the woman and just say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, because they, 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 they some of the maybe people are following are telling you that uh, what what they discuss is that the man that can pack out, that's a strong man, the one that can really say, I'm done. Yeah, that's the real man. Yeah. And you just realize that your mind is tending in that direction. Can I, can I say this tonight? That I've realized in my own personal life, I can trace some of the craziest things I've ever done in life to influence of other people. At the same time, I can trace some of the, some of the most important decisions of my life to the influence of other people and the Holy Spirit. Especially when I became a Christian. Then the whole, and, and after I learned to rely on the Holy Spirit to make decisions. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How did I get saved? As a young boy, you know I've shared this before, but I, I can't get tired of sharing it. Because it blesses me every time I share it. And then it opens my mind up to more possibilities. It makes me feel good that God actually has a plan for my life. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Anytime you share your salvation experience, the, what it should leave you with is that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. That's why you should not be weary of sharing it. Because, I mean, as a Muslim boy in, in high school, you know, just minding my own business, and I really wanted to be a bad boy. Let me tell you why. In my family, as at that time, being bad was in fashion. I had, like, three or four brothers in university, older brothers, and maybe two of them were court boys. In fact, one was leading a court group in the University of Ibadan, as at that time. Yeah. And you see, when they, when, they, when they come home, the way they behave, I just liked it. <laughs> I just liked it. The, the way they talk, you know, the way they handle my father's cars, and the kind of babes they, they brought home. You know, I just, I just liked it. My, it was... So I was really looking forward to for instance, going to the boarding house because I felt it would be a good place to, to practice. Yeah. And one of my ambitions was to enter university and join a court. Yeah, one of my thoughts, you know. Then, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I got into secondary school, you know, were to wear shorts. My short was, was longer with turn-ups. I was going in to prove a point that where I was coming from were always different. <laughs> As a small boy. <laughs> when my teacher saw what I was wearing, the truth was that my parents couldn't be bothered. They just thought, you know, it was just until I got to school. When my teacher saw what I was wearing, I was like, come, come. Is this short? I said, yes. And he was using his cane to remove the turn up, but they have, they have already made it with the, you know. So he was like, I don't want to see this. Go and cut it up. And, and I was just looking at the man, why are you disturbing my life, you know? <laughs> you, you can see from the, the, the mind of a very young boy, young teenager. That was, but you know what? I got saved because three or four of my friends that. Uh, just by sheer providence, I was connected to from the beginning as I got into the school because my dad insisted that the teacher should bring 
the brightest boys in the class because I resumed late. And he wanted me to be their friend. A few weeks down the line, I realized that they were from very good Christian homes. And no, not, not essentially from very good Christian homes, but they had given their life to Christ. Yeah. And I got saved through them. And when I got saved, all that ambition, all my court boy ambition, just left me. I'm telling you the truth. If I entered university the way I was, you wouldn't know me today. Yeah. If, I was, if I'm still alive, it would be by grace of God. Yeah. Because of the kind of things I used to envy that I really wanted to do. I had serious ambitions. <laughs> but for f- connection, friendships, when God wants to transform somebody's life, what will he do? He sends the right people to them. When the devil wants to destroy somebody's life, what, what does he do? I think you are getting what I'm saying now. Now, whose responsibility is it for identification of foolish people and wise people? I can't get your response. That's why Proverbs 4 and 23 says, guard your heart with all diligence because it affects everything you do or out of it flows the issues of life. Some people think it's God's responsibility to recognize and decide who should have influence over me, who should be in my space, you know, especially that can affect how I think, how I reason, and how I make my decisions. You know, it's okay for anybody to be within my space. Sometimes I cannot control it. Who you work with in the office, except you are the boss, you can't control it. Yeah. They will just hire other people and mingle them with you. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was there, I don't know why all these stories are coming to my mind tonight. God help me. Uh, when I was um, a, training, a, a training engineer many years ago, this was in, um, this was in Port Harcourt, yeah, with SPDC, Shell. So two of us came in as trainees about the same time. This other boy would go to the rig and come back broke. Those were um, some swamp and land uh, um, fields. And I used to wonder, because the moment he gets back, and we're supposed to be getting close, but something was pulling me away from him. Because the moment he gets back, he will ask me for money for transport fare to go home, money for the weekend. And I'll be wondering, but we're not supposed to spend money there. That time, I, I wasn't going yet. I was still doing some preparatory work uh, uh, swimming certificate and different other things. The day I went, that was the day I knew that this boy, as in, he was telling me, you know, I should prepare when I'm going, I should take money. I was like, you know, what's happening there? You know, I, I should not worry. He has prepared the place for me, you know. <laughs> what I didn't know was that it, they used to bring girls to them there. You know, because, I mean, you are away for two weeks, you know, and a lot of them, very foolish married men. Yeah, I can say it now. They used to be my bosses, but not again. So I can, I can say it now. <laughs> I can say it now. And, I mean, you see them, you think they're very, you know, honorable people, you know, and all that, left wife and children at home, you know, and you even salute them for being able to face their work in spite of their family. What you don't know is that... <laughs> 
Some people are really seriously helping themselves and behaving as if there was nothing. I got there. The day I got there, as we retired from work that day, at about 7 p.m., somebody knocked on my door and I was like, nobody knows me here. And we have retired from work. We have had our end of day meeting and everybody has gone. And lo and behold, it was a lady. And he said, uh, the guy that was here told me, the person that left yesterday told me to come back because you are friends. Yeah. And that you will not mind entertainment. I'm not going to say, you know, <laughs> more. The only, I mean, the only thing I will let you know is that that conversation did not pass that point. Yeah. And everything about my friendship with that guy just came back to me. As in, in a rush. And from that day, what did I do? I marked him. Because you need to be able to mark people. He that walk with the wise will be wise. Companion of fools. When I go back to the office, I kept some good distance and made sure that I mean, I just mentioned to, to him that um, I'm not interested in all those kind of things. And please, next time, please don't try that with me and all that. And just made him know that I'm a Christian. You know, saying that I'm a Christian in critical situations is deliverance. It's drawing the line and putting the red tape. Can I speak to a lady, a young lady here tonight? Somebody is dancing around you like, you know, you know the chicken dance? Yeah. And you know this guy has nothing to offer you, you know, he's wasting his life. You know, obvious womanizer, he does this, does that. And then you, you're, you're still allowing the chicken dance. Yeah. And you're going to have a drink together, you know, doing all sorts of stuff together. Yeah. And you have no agenda. Your agenda is just to enjoy the moment. You know, if your agenda is, is to be a star witness, it will be a different case. You know, most of the time, no agenda. Just, just allowing things to pan out. Yeah. And before you know it, I've had people make grievous mistakes from just allowing that kind of thing to pan out. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I read from verse 1 and 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Can you put verse 1 and 2 up for me, please? Are we there? All right. Okay. It says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God, the word of the Lord, may run swiftly and be glorified. Just as it is with you. Verse 2. That's where I'm going. Give me verse 2. It says, and that we may be delivered from. Can you read it with me? Glory be to Jesus. When you read the message translation of that scripture. It says, and pray that we will be rescued from these scoundrels who are trying to do us in. I'm finding that not all believers are believers. (laughs) 
where he said not all men have faith. He said not all believers are believers. Not all believers are believers. Paul said, and pray for us that God will deliver us from wicked and unreasonable men. In this verse of the scripture, can you put it back for me, please? In verse 2 of uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul at least identified two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. He called one wicked. He called the other one unreasonable. But what is interesting is that Paul was writing to a church and was asking for prayers for him surrounded mostly by were both believers and unbelievers, but mostly believers. In the context that he wrote, he was writing about his dealings with other Christians. So even within the fold, we need to be able to identify, let alone outside of the fold. In fact, someone once said that when Paul was writing this, what he meant, just, (laughs) he said what he meant was that the Wicked people are the people outside of the church, but in the church, we have unreasonable people. <laughs> it's not like I, I, I didn't buy into that fully, but it made some sense. It's a, it's a good assumption to say, okay, maybe in church we really don't have wicked people. We only have unreasonable people. Whatever, whichever way you tend to look at it, Paul identified two kinds of people. What I'm saying is that it's your responsibility to identify people and to know who you want to allow into your space because it will affect your life and how you, you, you turn out. It will affect how you turn out. Proverbs 27 and verse 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpens iron, and so a brother will sharpen the countenance of his friend. Let's go back to Paul's identification. Generally, Those two broad categories are very important, which is wicked men or unreasonable men. A wicked man has an evil intention. It's somebody that the devil is using. An unreasonable person has a good heart but makes unreasonable demands. A bad head. Or bad mind, but the heart is good, but unreasonable demand. Yeah. You know, when somebody does something to you and they didn't mean it to hurt you, but it's hurting you, that's an unreasonable person. And they don't know that it's hurting you. That's an unreasonable person. A wicked person does it intentionally. They know it's hurting you. Their aim is to hurt you because they've been sent to hurt you. Yeah. Paul talked about that kind of person. His name was Alexander the Coppersmith. He said, he did me much evil. Paul quoted his name because the evil must have been. (laughs) He said, and you know, for the first time, Paul said, the Lord, may the Lord repay him according to his works. Whatever he did to Paul was bad. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? The good part of that was that Paul identified, he was not assuming that this guy is evil. He did me much evil. 
Yeah. Who are the people in your space? What are they contributing to your life? How is it affecting how you are turning out? Are you aware of their influence or are you just coasting? That is what we are addressing tonight. And I want a situation where everybody will live here tonight with a sense of responsibility that for me not to turn out to be foolish, for me not to realize after a while that I've just been foolish, I need to take responsibility for whoever I allow into my space, whether physically or emotionally. Whoever I'm allowing into my space is my responsibility. We have looked into the scriptures. You have seen now that it's my responsibility to identify people and know who qualifies to be within my space. Somebody may be asking the question, Pastor, what about if I already were already married? Is that the question somebody would like me to answer? No, I cannot hear your answer. Yeah. Yeah, because somebody may say, you know, I, I made a decision a long time ago and now I've identified. <laughs> Can I say this? When you identify, even in marriage, and you sense, you see, some of all of us have a level of unreasonableness, if I can say, say it like that. It's just when it becomes overbearing, then you are a certified unreasonable person. <laughs> all of us have a measure. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't give an excuse that uh, I realize that my spouse is a bit unreasonable. Even you, sometimes you are unreasonable. So, but when you identify wickedness, yeah, because your spouse is very, very important to how you turn out. Yeah. So people have lost a business, lost careers, lost all kinds of things because of their spouses. When you identify real wickedness, you need to call for help. You need to call for help. Sometimes, when you identify real wickedness, you call the police. I'm not just talking about <laughs> calling friends. Yeah. One of my mentors, I won't mention the name, was asked, how do you deal with wicked people? He said, um, he said, uh, <laughs> it's very funny. He said, lawyers, guns, <laughs> and something else. I can't remember the last thing he said. <laughs> because when it comes to dealing with wicked people, you need to protect yourself. I'm just talking about what somebody said. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. In a marriage where wickedness has been allowed to grow, what happens? You will see real physical wickedness. We are not supposed to be looking at things until it gets to that point. It's your responsibility to identify. And when you identify, you raise an alarm. You raise an alarm. Maybe I'll say more about this in September when we're really discussing relationships. But I needed to know tonight that it's your responsibility to identify wickedness, to identify unreasonable people, to know who should come into your space. 
and who should influence you and who should not influence you. We're going to pray. I want us to pray. And it's that prayer of Paul. That's what God put in my heart tonight. That we should pray. That I should make my message short so we can pray. We're going to pray that prayer of Paul. Yeah. That prayer of Paul. I need you to stand. It's not a sitting down matter. Stand. Stand. This, what, what we have discussed tonight, as simple and similarly ordinary as it is, is extremely important. And that's why I want you to leave this service with that at the back of your mind. That this issue of who I get into my space. Some people are just distractions within your space. You know, when I talk about this, I also talk about the arithmetic signs. That when you identify people, eh, the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. Somebody is approaching you like this. You know what you are seeing on the top, top of his head? Minus sign. This one is coming to... to some people you see division sign. This one is coming to divide everything around me, to scatter my vision, and it's not to allow me to see properly again. This, you know, just scatter things. Yeah. Why some people are coming with multiplication sign? When you talk to them once, how you leave their presence, how they make you feel, before anything even happens in your life, you already know that your life is changing. The more of such people you have around you, the more you create an environment, an environment around you to flourish, which is what God wants. So that everybody will see your life and say, something is happening here. You know the reason why some people are really seriously struggling today? They don't have an environment that can create flourishing. Environment that can the, all the people around you have constituted dry ground, if I can put it that way. An idea comes in, you know, when you have patched land, when you put seed, they can grow. If everyone around you they are dream killers, even if God drops an idea in your heart, they are the one that will tell you it's not possible. It's not, where, where are you going to get the money? Is it people like you that do this kind of thing? And then you yourself, you just be repenting yourself that where did this thing even come from? Yeah, leave my heart, leave my heart. You just walk away. And that's, that's the end of it. Yeah. Lift your right hand to Jesus tonight. Can you put that scripture up for me? Somebody be in the spirit. Put that scripture up for me. That's what we're using to pray. Yeah. That we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all men, all have faith. For not all have faith. We're going to pray to maybe two prayer points. One is just the way it is here. Which is, first and foremost, Lord, before we ask him to deliver us, which is, let's ask him to empower us to play our part, which is the, the ability to recognize the, 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 the discernment that is necessary, the, the, the presence of mind that we won't walk into a, a relationship, a friendship, and it will be a trap. Will you lift your voice tonight? Lord, give me discernment. Give me grace to identify. Help me to take responsibility for this aspect of my life. In this month of wisdom, anyone that is in my life to plant the seeds of foolishness, to destroy my capacity for sound judgment, I stand against them tonight in the name of Jesus. 
I reject such influence over my life. Somebody lift your voice tonight and pray. Lord, give me the capacity to recognize, the ability to, to identify, the grace to take responsibility for the things that are coming into my heart and mind. Lift your voice tonight. Lift your voice tonight. I pray. Give me grace to take responsibility. Give me grace to be able to watch my space. Give me grace to guard my heart. To guard myself emotionally. To guard myself physically. Give me grace to be able to recognize pollutants and anything that would defile and anyone that is an agent of defilement somebody lift your voice tonight and pray, pray as we take responsibility pray as we take responsibility Somebody lift your voice and pray tonight. Pray in the spirit, pray in understanding. Lord, we receive grace, we receive capacity to take responsibility. Take responsibility for our space, relationally, our space, our relational space. We receive resp- grace to take responsibility for our relational space, that we will not be vague concerning the influences in our lives, that we will not be vague concerning the influences in our lives, that we will not allow foolishness within our space in the name of Jesus. Help us to recognize, help us to identify. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Lastly tonight, I want us to pray the way it is. It's one thing for me to put up all my God and trust God for grace, you know, and all that. It's another thing for me to enjoy mercy. That some people I should not even meet at all. Just by deliverance. Great deliverance. Yeah. Because by the time the entanglement starts, before we untangle and all that, life has been spent. Resources have gone. There are some people that should not even meet at all. The Bible says the steps of a good man, they are ordered by God because he delights in his ways. Alright, so I want you to pray tonight. Lord, just like Paul writing here, deliver me from unreasonable and wicked men. The men who have no faith in their heart. Lord, deliver me. Order my steps away. Order my steps. Deliver me. Order my steps. Deliver me. La bosha handere regebosa. Membro luto korologobosh. Membro luko susofra handa lagabaya. Reketu soprohonda legebosha. Membro nuto kuso suprehinde legebosh. Maradagasusotokolobosh. Nambrodobos. Yembro nuko susotokalagabaya.